0: you are listening to overcomers church international podcast here at oci we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches from wherever you are listening we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged
1: so last week We started a a two-part series, so we're gonna finish it up uh, obviously today. We started a two-part series on Uh, identifying and eliminating an orphan spirit. And so last week, if you missed that, you need to go back and watch it, listen to the podcast, whatever you need to do. But we talked about the difference between an orphan and a son mentality. And when we were orphaned, when we were orphans, we had a particular way of thinking. But now that we've come in and we've become sons of God or daughters of God, there's a different way of thinking in the father's house than there is in thinking in the world. And so there's, a, there's a, a problem that every one of us have, have to face. It's not being hard on any in particular person or any person in particular. Every, pro, every person has this problem to where they have to think, begin to think differently, think as a son. And if you just, if you just think about that, like if you're looking at, at like a royal situation, you know, maybe back in the Bible days, and you had a, a prince, you know, a prince wouldn't think like a beggar. A prince wouldn't think like a pauper. A prince wouldn't think like an enemy. A prince would think like a son of the king, know his position, know his place, know his identity, know his royalty. And that's what we're talking about here is that God has actually brought us in, not just into his kingdom. Because sometimes we say that, and I, I say that, like God's brought us into his kingdom And that could feel like, well, you know, we're in the kingdom, but we're just barely inside the city walls. And, you know, we got us a little grass hut up alongside the city wall. And, you know, if anyone's going to get taken out first, it's going to be us. You know, sometimes I think we think that, but it's more than just being brought into the kingdom. We've been brought into the king's mansion. We've been brought into the palace. We've been brought into the place of royalty. You and I absolutely have a royal identity As sons, as daughters, and we just need to know it a little bit better. So today we're going to just talk about going from understanding the difference between a a son and an orphan to actually stepping into sonship. And because that's really what we need to do. We need to go from going, okay, I understand this. Now I'm going to begin to step into it and really begin to walk in it. And that's what the Lord wants us to be able to do. So this verse in John chapter 14, as a matter of fact, we're gonna gonna get to verse 18, that's the primary verse, but we're gonna back up a few verses to verse 16, a couple verses to verse 16. And let's read John 14, 16 through 18. And it says, I will pray the Father, and this is Jesus speaking. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Notice who he's praying to, it's to the Father, right? It says, notice, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper and uh, and that he may abide with you forever. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is never going to leave us. (laughs) The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know he could have put a put a lot of different words in there. He could have said a lot of different things, but he used the term orphan, which means somebody who is without a father. And he said, "I'm not going to leave you fatherless, but I'm going to give you the spirit of the father that will reveal to you not only who he is, but also reveal to you who you are." And so the 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 element, the key for us stepping out of thinking like an orphan and to where we begin to think like a son is we have to realize that the spirit of the father, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of God has been given to us to where we don't have to think like an orphan anymore. We can begin to think like a son. And so the essence of thinking and stepping into into sonship is to where we have a relationship. Now listen, I'm phrasing this very intentionally. We have a relationship with the father through the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship with the father through the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times people will pray to the Holy Spirit. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't find a strong biblical precedent for it. A lot of times when people say, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, and it's fine. You can communicate with the Holy Spirit because he's part of the Godhead. But I think that that we could lose some of the essence and some of the, the, the firepower behind what we really have, and it's a relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit, because when you see that you have a relationship with the Father, it changes the whole dynamic about how you approach him. But the important part about the Holy Spirit is what the Holy Spirit does, what he did, and what he gives us through living on the inside of
0: us right. And, you know, I just want to go back to and remember, because this is you stepping into a position that you already hold if you have Jesus on the inside of you, is that he was reminding the disciples. Remember, he chose the disciples. He went after them, after um, other rabbis and just different um, religious people said, we don't want you. Jesus came to them and Mm -hmm. he chose them before they chose him. Now they had a choice when he called their name to follow him, but he chose them and he called them and said, will you come? And so then they were, had been walking with Jesus for years and then he was reminding them in this moment that he wasn't going to like he called them and even though he was near them right now but he wouldn't be in a little bit that he was reminding them that you aren't left alone we need this reminder that we have not been left alone we have the father God with us and in us and so we are not orphaned and it says that we know him he knows us but that we also know him so yeah. that's so powerful
1: hallelujah let's read a few verses here actually from a couple of different places that will really bring this home and then we're gonna um we're gonna share some just some of the benefits that we have from being sons look here in galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 love to hear those pages turning. Literally, I don't think I heard one page (laughs) turn. It's the day of technology. It's fine. It's quiet in here. Everybody doing okay? All right. I like a little bit of chatter. It's it's fine. So Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under, under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, everybody say, I am a son. Or I am a daughter, whatever fits for your gender. There's only two genders, by the way. Okay. So, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, which means uh, a daddy. It means it's an enduring term for, for father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, I want to look at another passage here in Romans that has the almost the identical language. It says a few things different, uh, but very, very close. Of course, it's the same writer, the Apostle Paul. He writes to the Romans in Romans 8 and verse 15. It says, excuse me, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Now that suffering is really, I believe it's just talking about the suffering of putting to death the working of the flesh and putting trust in Christ. In context, that's what that passage is talking about. So I thought I would throw that out before we go back and look at this. It says that he has, he has sent forth and we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. And so here's the thing is that we have, we have been given, not just any old spirit, we've been given the spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit about who we are. And the thing about the Holy Spirit, there's lots of uh, attributes, elements, things that we could, we could talk about just, uh, concerning the Holy Spirit, but the word spirit, here's what the word spirit means, or the, the Greek uh, phrase is pneuma, and it basically, and just in a really uh, basic way to phrase it, is it means the breath of God. So when it's talking about the spirit of God, it's talking about the breath of God. And here's the thing is if you go back and you look in Genesis chapter two and verse seven, it says in the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Man was a being before God breathed into him but he had no life. It was when the breath of God, the spirit of God came and breathed into him that, that brought life to him. So fast forward to John. This is in, in Jesus' day with Jesus speaking. It says, and when he had said this, John 20, this is chapter 20 and verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on, on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the reason that the Holy Spirit, the very first reason that the Holy Spirit has been given to us and confirms to us that we are sons is that we have life. You know, uh, Liz and I procreated four times. And each time that we procreated, it's everybody's here because of it, it's fine. Be adults, don't be immature, all right? We procreated four times. It's a joke, you can laugh a little bit, all right? Um, when we did, we... Uh, we pass life from us to our procreation to our sons. There's something that comes with being a son automatically, inherently, and that is that you have life. And when we were born of God, and when we became adopted of God, all of that reality that was there, he gave us life. And the life that comes is not life as we would know it. It's not peace as we would know it. It's not joy as the world would know it, but it's as God gives it. And it's a peace and it's a joy, it's a strength, it's a life that comes from God. And here's the thing is it doesn't just come from God, but it gets gets magnified, it gets amplified, it gets put into practice as we know God through his spirit because the Spirit is what quickens the reality and the life of God that's been placed on the inside of us. This is something, without going down a a rabbit trail here, this is something the church as a whole has lost the essence of having an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gets talked about as like, the Holy Spirit has this attribute, he has that attribute, but it's not a personal relationship that's, that's there. This is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and praying in tongues and all of that stuff, which we don't have time to get into talking about today, all of that stuff is amply important because it helps us to be able to communicate with the Father through the Holy Spirit. We don't have a dead spirit on the inside of us. If we've been born again, we have a new spirit. Our spirit's been, been made alive, but we also have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, and when he came to live on the inside of us, he breathed the breath of life, and I think one of the very first and foremost son, uh, signs of a son is that we have life in us, and so I ask you the question, are you, are you living a life that reflects the life of God, You know, I want to say this, that that as a whole, this church operates in that because we have ministers that come in here and we have other people that come in here too, but we'll have guest speakers that come in that travel all over the world and they'll say, I have not been in hardly any churches that have life in it like this. And I would say hats off to you and the Holy Ghost for stepping into a higher level, a better level of relating to God as the father through his Holy Spirit. And so you know what we need to do? We need to increase in that. We need to increase in our, in our knowing and our understanding and communicating with, with God through the Holy Ghost. Yes. And there's a lot we could say about how to do that, but let's just continue to increase.
0: Yes. And, well, I, I'm going to say just a little bit about that, like receiving the breath of God. Think about it. If When he breathed breath into, um, uh, who was the first guy? Adam. Adam. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jesus! Yes. When he read breath to Adam, it was... You know, when we receive or know like breath is coming towards us, we we feel it, but it comes in close proximity right. to the one, face to face. Think about like mouth to mouth resuscitation. When somebody needs breath because they would need to receive life, it is face to face and it is very close. So being close with the Lord, being intimate with the Lord, knowing that you are, you know, in relation with him. He wants relationship with you. That is the place where we receive the breath of God and how we receive the freshness. You know, we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, but the freshness comes when we're in close proximity to him receiving that fresh breath.
1: Yeah, that's right. And this comes in correlation with the word of God, because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to speak the word of God out of our mouth. And when you take God's word, which comes from his mouth, and then you take that word and you put it in your mouth, it's mouth to mouth resuscitation. Amen. Come on, that was pretty good. And so the deal deal is, is that what you, you and I need to do is when we find ourselves not experiencing the life of God, we need to go to the Word of God and begin to speak forth the Word of God. It will resurrect any dead situation because the Word of God has the life of God in it, and it can change anything. It can change an old, cold, dead heart. It can change a bad day. It can change a bad situation. It can change your finances. It can change your body when you take the word of God and you come face to face with the word, you come face to face with God and you allow him to breathe, breathe his rhema word on the inside of you and to you. And then when you release it back out, it will change situations. And that's what we need from the Lord. We need a fresh rhema word from God. We need him to speak to us truth. We need to speak him to speak to us the, the living word, to where when we read the Bible, we're not reading paper and ink. This is paper and ink right here that I have held in my hand. No, I, I, I honor it highly because it contains the word of God in it. But the word of God only in paper and ink form has no power to you. The word of God in revelation form has all the power to you. But until you release that revelation, it doesn't work in your life. So when we're in, when we're having the face to face with the Lord, that that relationship, that intimacy with God, when we're doing that, and He reveals the secrets to us, because the Bible says that He reveals He reveals the secrets of God to the lovers of God. There's something about the intimate place with the Lord that when we go there, God will tell us things that we will never hear outside of relationship with Him. And so when we're in that place with the Lord and we pick up the Bible and we pray in the Spirit and we begin to worship and we do all the things that we know to do, it's not going through calisthenics or religious calisthenics, it's not through you know, just doing a bunch of stuff, but it's coming in and, and communing with God. And when we do that, that's when the word becomes alive to us. That's when, that's when we begin to hear God speak to us. That's when things begin to make sense to us. And then what we do is we take that and we release that and we watch situations change. Because that's what sons do. Sons take the authority that comes from the father and they walk in it in their life. You know, we're not just sons, but we're royal sons. We have both a, a uh, relationship mandate and we have an authority mandate on us. That means as sons of the king, we can go throughout the whole kingdom and we can begin to cause things to change and work in our favor because our daddy told us so. That's right. Amen. Yeah. And it's not, didn't it didn't just come down from some, from some edict that got passed down and like, oh, the king said, no, no. We've been in the king's chambers in a really close conversation with the king. And the King, our Dad, has been telling us things, and we have all the boldness and confidence to walk into any situation and say, "Change in Jesus' name." You can't stay like you are because I'm a son of the Lord God King Most High. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes,
0: life releases life. So, in,
1: and in this, what we what we found also, and this is we're going to camp here for a couple minutes before we're done, is that one of the things that a son that a son does is that they they hear the voice of God, and they're led by the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 14, it says this, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter eight, and verse 14, it says this, for as many, and we read this already, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so this is one of the things as far as stepping in to sonship, stepping out of an orphan mentality and stepping into sonship, sonship is that you hear the voice of God and you are led by God. Whenever I see people that they're doing all kinds of like, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna go over here and, you know, I'm gonna go over here and then I'm gonna do this thing and they're telling me and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's gonna destroy you, whatever. What my, what comes to my mind nowadays is that they really just haven't stepped into this place of really operating and functioning like a son. They're still thinking like somebody who's not gonna give them instructions. Anybody ever had a kid that that did something and when they were doing it, you're thinking, if you would only ask me, I could cause you, to, to keep you from the pain that's getting ready to be caused. Who's been that son or that daughter before? You're like, I wish I had asked mom and dad. Well, see, that's the thing that we have with our relationship with the Lord is that we can come in and say, hey, I have this opportunity or hey, I have this thought. I wanna ask your opinion on this, dad. What do you think about this? You know that the Lord will begin to speak to you. He'll reveal things to you. And then what happens is that as a son of God, you become led by the spirit of God. Notice that it's not just led by God, you're led by the spirit of God. The third part of the Trinity for us right now is the most important part. It's the same person, but he's represented in three parts. And the reason he's the most important part for us right now is because God the Father is in heaven. He's not here. I know we'll sometimes we'll be like, God is in this place. Yes, in the form of his Holy Spirit. But God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is seated at his at his right hand, and us in terms of of our position in Christ, we're seated there with him. But technically, we are here on the earth, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is here with us. If we don't have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, we don't have a very good relationship with God. It says in Hebrews chapter one, it says that God at various times is spoken in various ways, and. And we can go through a whole list of different dispensations. And that word times there means dispensation. There was a dispensation of, you know, uh, in the garden called innocence. And then there was a time of, there are all these different times, the time of the law. And now we're in a dispensation that we often refer to as grace or the church age. How is God speaking to us now? How he's speaking to us now is through his son by the Holy Spirit. And this to me is one of the most important things because I see, I see a lot of people, you know, I just talk with a lot of people throughout the course of a week and a month and I just listen and I, I draw things in and I hear a lot of people talking about things that they read from the word and like they don't understand this and they don't understand that and there's no freshness, there's no life, there's no direction, there's no understanding and I realize that they're reading it because they wanna understand it but they're reading it outside of relationship through the Holy Spirit. Only the spirit of God can reveal the things of God because no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man. And that's why the spirit of God has been placed on the inside of us so that we can know the things of God because it is the spirit that is from God and in God. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't think I could repeat that again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why the relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is so incredibly important. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I love John um, 16, starting at verse Uh, 13 through 15 it says however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you these things to come he will glorify me for he will take um, of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. Yeah. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he will de- declare it to you. So, not only is he going to lead you and guide you, he's going to take what the Father is speaking and he is going to begin to declare it to That's you. Right which will lead you in all truth, which will guide you into understanding and knowledge. Like anything that we need as sons, we can boldly with confidence go to the Father and ask. And he's going to take, then the Holy Spirit's going to take what. The Lord is declaring, the Father is declaring, and he is going to make it known to you. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Let me read a couple more verses here that will will help drive that home and drive the point home that we're talking about here. It says in um, John chapter uh, uh, 10 and verse 3, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10, 27 says this. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And it goes on to say that the voice of another that they will not follow. And so we do, here's the thing, is that we do hear the voice of God. You absolutely hear the voice of God. We're gonna give you some wisdom right here that's gonna really, really help you. We, when we were walking this morning, like we begin to talk through some of this stuff and we changed directions a little bit on what we were gonna share. And we really felt the anointing of God on this when we begin to talk about this. When people say, because I can remember years ago, in particular, I had this one time where I talked about hearing the voice of God. I think I ministered on hearing God's voice, something like that. And I had this man that came up, came up to me, and he said, Kent, you always say that you, you hear God's voice. And he said, I never hear God's voice. And, and I, it, it, like, it kind of cut me to the heart. I thought, man, this guy's a believer. And, of course, he didn't want to have anything to do with the Holy Ghost either. So, you know, well, there you go. But, uh, but however, I learned something from this. And that is that we get very narrow in the way that we view our relationship with the Lord. Because the truth is, is that, let me say it this way. God is always revealing. He's not necessarily always just speaking a word. But he is always there available to reveal things to us. So you have to understand the the mind of God. You have to understand how how he thinks and how he works. We get very, very, um, we put God very much in like, like most people are like, they have a waffle brain when it comes to the Lord. They're like, God works just exactly like this. And so for me, I was always like, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And I'm looking for a word. And what I didn't realize is that God would speak through visions. God would speak through a dream. He would speak through just a thought that would come to me. He would speak through somebody else that would come in the room and say something that was an answer to the very thing that I was asking. God is not limited in how he can speak or how he can reveal things to us. Understanding this broadens the scope and will cause you to be able to hear the Lord more accurately. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, be able to see, because just like you said, we often, we want a formula, we're people who want formulas, if I A, B, C, or A plus B equals C, period, so we'll do A and B, and we expect C, but sometimes when we, we won't get to like hear, Lord, I'm not hearing you, what are you speaking, like what's happening, and then we can get frustrated, because, and then not only do we get frustrated, we start trying to make things happen on our own, because I did this before but the whole thing with the Lord the whole um is it's about relationship with him it's about having personal intimacy with him it's about uh inviting him into all those spaces. Pay- sp- Spaces. I cannot talk this way. Spaces and places and saying, what are you saying here? What are you trying to show me here? How do you want to meet with me? Because that is like a better um, probably prayer or "As Lord, how do you want to meet with me right now in this situation? And it could be a word from the word. It could be a dream. It could be a vision. It could be just something that is revealed to you in that moment that bear then inside of you the spirit bears witness with what it is that you heard or saw and it brings so much clarity and revelation that you're able then to move forward but again it's not supposed to come out of relationship with God sometimes you know I'll say I did this and so then other people could want to mimic that thinking that the Lord is going to speak to them in that way when he's saying, I desire personal and intimate relationship with you, my son, with you, my daughter. I want to meet with you in a different way. I want to speak to you in a different way in this moment. And so we have to take our limits off of God and say, how do you want to meet with me right now today? Because I am willing to lay down my formula so that I can encounter you. And when we do this, we will encounter God. And it is, it's incredible. Yeah.
1: it's so good. Um, so we i've i'm kind of a um i tend to be a little bit formulaic in things that you know just the, how i'm wired and how i go about doing things and and i've had to learn even in even in the recent years that you can't be that way like i've known this but i've had to really learn that you can't be that way in your relationship with with the lord like he he's a spirit but he is a person and it, you know if you have a father son relationship and there's there's no interaction, there's no intertwining, there's no conversation, there's no back and forth, like it's really not a very good relationship. It just becomes a stale, stoic, very by the book type of thing. And God doesn't, He doesn't work like that. He actually is a whole lot more like you and us. That's not to lessen Him down to a place of being a, a mortal. Um, he is immortal, but. Uh, But relationally, he's a lot like us. Imagine if you were, you know, you, you married to your spouse or whatever and everything was just like clockwork like this. You know, when there's no back and forth, there's no expressing of emotion. There's no that God. He wants that. He wants to have it, that's, relationship like that's that.
0: Transactional and yes. relationship, and not you know like flourishing. It's God's not, not a life. business.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so we can become very transactional in our relationship with the Lord, and we lose out on being relational with Him. And He wants relationship. So we've and so back to this kind of this idea about like you know hearing the Lord is very. It's a very narrow way of getting what He has for us. So if you could say it like that, like God has things to reveal to us, to say that you're going to hear God is a very narrow way. And if you're not careful, what will happen is if you don't hear him and you think that's the only way that he'll express himself to you, you'll start to invent ways of God speaking to you so you can get the manifestation that you want. Let me give you a prime example of this. Uh, we've told the story about the hell house before. We called it the hell house, rightfully so. It was straight from hell. And what happened is that, you know, we ended up in so much debt. God delivered us, so on and so forth. The story goes. But when we were looking at the house, um, we were lining things up with what was going on. And it was like, this has got to be God. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. And what we basically did, it was we kind of threw out a fleece. And throwing out a fleece, let me just say this, is probably the worst way to get an answer from the Lord. It's the most dangerous way. Because you could say, God, if this is you, let five car, red cars pass go down the street. You could have five red cars pass down the street and it'd still not be God. Because is it possible for five red cars to pass down the street? And it have nothing to do with anything with the Lord all the time. I remember driving down the highway one time and it was like, you know, we, had, we saw... Um, I saw like five minivans that all looked identical to each other driving. I'm like, what is going on? This is a real true caravan, you know? And so (laughs) anyway, so looking at natural things like that's not good. Well, this is what we did in this situation. We we went and we had this, this house that was next door to the house my parents were living in, but was a house that they used to own. And I lived in as a kid for about two years. And the thing was, is that my brother's boss was the one that owned it. So I'm like, used to be our house. It's right next door to my parents' house. My boss's brother owns it. I've already got it in on this thing. And listen to this, the whole entire time, the entire time we were thinking about buying this thing and moving towards, we were so on at rest on the inside. And it was like we were in turmoil. Liz was in turmoil.
0: I, and and I neither one of
1: us had enough yeah, sense to speak up. I didn't know how
0: to communicate about that. And I just, I was so at rest. Even when we were like signing papers at the end, I'm like, I hate this house. Yeah. Why are we doing this? I kind of hated
1: I, the house too. It was but terrible. I was thinking
0: it had to be because of all these things. All seemed, these
1: circumstances. Seemed
0: to be like. You ever heard up. somebody
1: say this? <laughs> uh oh.
0: Hope. Brace yourselves. Brace yourself. Seriously. They'll,
1: they'll, pray, they'll pray like this. And if you pray like this, God bless you, but you're going to get weird results if you keep doing this. Lord, if this is you, open a door up. No, Siri, I will not try again. Lord, if this is you, open a door that no man can shut. Sounds spiritual. God, if it's not you, close a door that no man can open. I know like half of you are like, I pray like that. You're in my kitchen now. (laughs) let me help you out a little bit. It's not a good way to pray. Because the truth is, God can open up doors, but so can the devil. You say, well, if I'm really praying that way, the devil would never be able to intervene. It would only be God. Not true. Not true. Would you like me to give you 45 more examples of doors that got open, but that were nothing but demonic? sometimes. You will walk through a door that it was so easy, you think it's got to be God. And it was nothing but a setup from the enemy. And then other times, the Lord will say, I want you to go, I want you to go do that thing. And it's like the thing is uh, nailed shut. You got, it's got chains over it. I mean, there's no way to get in, but you keep prying and you find your way in. And you find blessing on the other side of it. It doesn't, it doesn't always work just as like, if it's God, it's gonna be easy and it's gonna work just fine and it'll be open if it's not God, then it's not supposed to be. Because on the flip side, whenever we went and looked at this other house, the next house we bought after the hell house, which was about seven years ago, we went and looked at this house and we saw it and I'm like, Liz, I think we should look at it. And she's like, oh, I don't know, we just came out of the, the deal. We finally got that done and delivered from it. And I'm like, I know, but I think we should go look at it. We went and looked at it. It's the peace of God was on us. We just had the peace of God on us. We just felt right about it. And then we're like, okay, we're going to go back and, and look. And our, real, our, uh, our realtor is like, there is somebody else that's going to make an offer just to let you know. And we said, okay. So I was like, man, it feels right. And we're like, yeah, but look what happened before. But it's like, yeah, it feels right. We, have, we just had peace about it. And you know that we went and we made an offer on the house. They accepted it. And we got turned down. We had no reason to be turned down. We had two times got turned down for a loan. It went to the underwriter, and the underwriter said no. And the people said, they were so angry. They said, forget it. We're finding another buyer. Our real estate agent went to Batforce and said, please. They're qualified for the loan. They're having problems with their lender. And so the real estate agent said, how about I recommend a different lender? And if they'll use that, will you give them another opportunity? And they said, okay, if they use a lender, you recommend. So we go with this other lender, and we just went over, and everything just worked perfectly from that point. But you know that we had to pry that door open, but when we walked in and we bought that house, we lived in that house, we lived in it for five years, the market climbed, we did some work in it, and we made some money on it. And it was a great house, one of our most favorite places that we've ever lived in, but it felt time to sell when we did, and so we just did. But the point is, is that you can't go by whether circumstances are right or not.
0: Right, and we were led by peace. Like, I can even remember in that moment, because I didn't want to make the wrong decision yeah. again, that I, uh, he had, I was at work, and he had called me, and he's like, we got denied again, and I'm like, well, okay. Uh, Like, I I don't know, I can't deal with this right now. So I left work and I went and drove uh, to the house and I just got there and I said, if this isn't what you want, then... Like, I have peace, Lord. So, we're going to continue to pursue this. But if you, like, if I don't have that peace anymore, then I am okay to let it go. This is a place that we have to be. Are we okay to lay it at the feet of Jesus and trust Him? That here's the thing He wants things that are so good for us, better than anything we could possibly imagine, hope for, dream. But oftentimes, we want to make the thing happen because it is a desire of our heart and we're not willing to lay it at the feet of Jesus as a son and a daughter and say, I'm going to trust you with this God because you have my best interest at heart. A good father always has his best interest at heart for his children. And so I drove there and I said, it's fine. If it doesn't work, we'll stop. I mean, if I don't have, if we don't have peace anymore, I'm gonna lay it down and I'm gonna trust you, God. But if you say continue, then I'm gonna lay it down and I'm gonna trust you, God. And He said like, continue. But like through the whole time of this whole thing, like peace, like it, like it was laughable. That's when you know you're in the peace of God when somebody says no to you and you're like. <laughs> okay we're gonna try again like I mean come on like it's the truth when we are like really um my my father he's got this I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to lean into him speak the word do the things in the natural and trust him that is part of the biggest thing about being a son is that we trust our father yeah we trust Him.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I want to close with this, um, this one scripture verse. It's in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And this verse has really been a, been a life, uh, life verse for me. And so the Lord will, you know, He'll speak to us um, pictures and, and we'll hear words. You know, we've had times where the Lord has just spoken directly. This is what I want you to do. Like when we moved to Perryville, He said, I have not called you there to fail. And at first I was like, praise God, we're not going there to fail. And then when we face like enormous opposition, I was like, okay, he hasn't called us here to fail. But even within that word, it was always about being led by peace. If you have to have God speak to you about every little decision, and you're not just being led by his spirit, the spirit of peace, uh, you're never gonna be able to accomplish anything in this, in this life. I realize that the way that God leads is primarily through peace. He'll give us visions, he'll give us pictures, he'll give us words, he'll give us a scripture verse, he'll give us all kinds of things, but primarily the way that we work that stuff is through peace. It's very efficient because you can go like this and you just follow peace and then whenever you see a lack of peace, you go, well, that's not the Holy Ghost, I'm gonna come back here. And it's kind of like this, it's like you and the Holy Ghost are just, you're, you're meshed together like this, you're one with him. And whenever you start to to go off course, he's going this way and you begin to go this way. It's almost like if you had a rubber band and you were pulling it and it's like this tension and it's like, well, this doesn't feel right. And if you're not, you're not careful, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to snap back in place and it's going to be a little bit jarring to you or you're going to cause something disastrous like buy a hell house and go $50,000 into debt. But he redeems them out of their distresses, but we didn't need for him to do that if we had just listened to him to begin with. Amen. And so if you're led by peace, as soon as you go like this, you'll have a lack of peace in it and it will bring you right back. And it's like, oh, I think the whole, nope, nope, I don't have peace about that. And you just get brought brought right back in that place with the Lord. And so I've been asking the Lord some specific things about the church because we're going from the 30 to the 60. And I don't have time to get into all that, but there's increase, major, major, major increase coming to this house and this region because of the work of God in this house. And I began to ask the Lord about these things and I was looking for him to speak. And finally, I just got quiet. This just happened two weeks ago. I got quiet before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm just gonna have whatever you wanna do, just whatever you wanna do. And I began to just worship the Lord and boom, all of a sudden he downloaded a picture to me and he spoke words to me and I saw a picture and I heard words that I had never seen or heard before. But from that place, I didn't get any more instruction, but what I've had is peace. As I've been praying through that thing, I've just had peace. Colossians 3 and 15, it says this, and let the peace of God, if we can pull that verse up on the screen, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Notice it says, and let the peace of God rule. What's supposed to rule? The peace of God. That word rule is where we get our word umpire from. If you go back and look in the Greek, it's where we get a word umpire from. What does an umpire do? It calls balls, strikes, out, safe, all that. It's literally where we get our word umpire. And so what it's saying is let the peace of God make the call in your life. More than having a vision, more than having a dream, more than having a word, more than having a prophecy, more than anything, you let the peace of God rule you and it will work really, really, really well for you. When you don't have peace about something, it could be that the, that the word you got was totally not right. Or it could be the word you got was right, but you're applying it in a wrong way. Sometimes God will say, like, go to Perryville and start a church. Okay. That was pretty much all he said for about five years. But we had peace in what we were doing. Even in the midst of some turmoil, we had peace in what we were doing. That's how you have to be led by God.
0: If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference,
1: visit International.com.